0: of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 192 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, July the 15th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everyone who tuned in last Saturday with our guest, Eric Shemtov of Whatnot. We had a really good informative episode with him. You can check that out on the channel tomorrow is a double feature here on sports cards live first off at 4 20 pm eastern 120 pacific is the lcg auctions live watch party lcg specializes in pop culture collectibles like action figures video games vhs apple products and more lcg founder mark montero will join us along with gi joe and masters of the universe collector expert gary gefter and then later tomorrow night at nine thirty Eastern six thirty Pacific is the PWCC weekly hockey watch party with Josh Madigan of the Hockey Cards Gong Show and then finally on Tuesday Taking Stock will be back with myself and Dennis Zender that will be at ten o'clock Eastern seven p.m. Pacific few sponsor announcements and. Reads if you will, everybody join over 400,000 people who've already downloaded the Center Stage app across both iOS and Android for quick comps and card management features. Their app is the fastest and most accurate at card shows or at home to help you price your cards, build, organize, and share your collection with friends, and find other collectors to follow using their social sharing features. They've announced some exciting new grading partnerships, so check out their Instagram account. And please join me in supporting the great team they have there and the innovation they are undertaking. Also another sponsor use protection, please. And practice safe swaps. Veriswap is an app and middleman service that lets you securely trade cards through the mail. Every transaction up to $1 million in value is fully insured by their guarantee. And to use Veriswap, you simply upload your inventory. You can make trade, partial trade, full cash offers, negotiate with the thousands of traders already on the platform. Check them out on iOS and Android. And as a special offer with Sports Cards Live, your first trade on Verisop is only $1. There's a referral link in the video description below. And check out their Master Swapper competition with a, a belt being awarded at the National at the Wolfpack Trade Night. Also, want to thank and shout out Leighton Sheldon, Just Collect. He'll be joining us shortly for the vintage spotlight segment also please check out hobbynewsdaily.com for your daily dose of hobby news and entertaining content it's a wonderful collaboration of a whole bunch of hobby content creators and original writers and finally tag grading you know that i love tag grading their discord server and facebook groups are both live you can join other hobbyists who are chatting buying selling trading tag slabs sharing pictures talking shop and really just connecting with hobbyists who do like and appreciate transparent and reproducible grading. Go to taggrading.com and the community tab to join either community. You'll find out first about tag grading drops and even surprise flash drops. And please note that tag will be live on site grading at the national here at the end of the month. So get ready to have your mind blown in terms of what the future of grading looks like. I wanna thank you all as always for your support And as always, if you are not yet subscribed to the channel, please take a moment to do so. And as always, again, your comments and your questions are in play. So let's get to it. Tonight's guest has been with us before. Him and I have a history. We've been working together for a couple of years. Back when he was with Collectible, Ezra Levine. Welcome back. Welcome back, my friend,
1: to Sports Cards Live. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's good to be back. And uh, I love I love hearing you know your content schedule getting larger and larger and you know that your list of sponsors improving and expanding by the day so very very impressive I, I can't get enough Jeremy Lee content so the more the merrier. Well, I appreciate that
0: Ezra and uh, yeah you know and I just I appreciate you making the comment about sponsors I do I do have sponsors and I'm very proud of that it's been uh, you know three and a half years of doing this and. Um, I just encourage anybody to check the video description on my most of my most of my live streams. My Instagram page uh, has a full disclosure of everybody that I'm aligned with and working with. So everyone is welcome for sure to go check that out. And uh, and it was great working with Collectible, your your former uh, where, you, where you were hanging your hat before you joined Mascot. And we're going to talk about that because uh, it's only natural. And I think a lot of people are kind of curious what what is going on at Collectible, what happened there? But we're certainly going to spend time talking about Mascot. I know that's your where you are now and curious to learn about it and everything. But uh, before we jump in, let's say hello to Kubi Cards. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Paul Lack, welcome to the show. Perk is here. Jacob Dahl, I don't know what an episode would be without you, Jake. I'd be sad. Hockey Cards Plus, finally getting to catch you live. Welcome to the show, Hockey Cards Plus. All right. So let's jump in and talk. Let, let's talk about collectible first, Ezra. So uh, I think I'm just going to kind of put it to you this way. Actually, maybe oh, my, my my question in my notes is, do you have a post-mortem on collectible? But that would assume that collectible has, has died. I don't believe that's the case. So can you let us know what is going on at collectible right now? And then we'll get into some deeper questions.
1: Yeah, committee. It's a, it's a fair question. I mean, obviously, I, I haven't been there uh, in about four months or so. So, you know, a lot has happened over the last four months uh, to which I may not be privy. Uh, you know, look, I mean, I think, you know, with fractional, right, you know, oftentimes new innovations and fractional was very much a new innovation, you know, the kind of, the the magnitude of that, that innovation is not always realized, you know, when you first roll it out. Sometimes it can take 10, 15, 20 years for that innovation to really take shape. You know, I remember, uh, you know, I remember speaking to Joe Orlando and Joe Orlando was saying, when, you know, when PSA first, launched and started it took about 10 years about you know 10 dark years until grading really became a thing right we've seen this you know uh you know other ways uh, and shapes in the hobby so you know I'm a big believer in fractional long term obviously i think short- term uh you know it ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw of macro conditions and you know just kind of general market slowdown um but you know my my own post- post-mortem is look it was a it was a great opportunity for me you know very grateful for the opportunity grateful for the learning experience I learned a lot got to meet a lot of great people you know, in the industry, and we had a lot of success. You know, we did $55 million of securitized, fractional uh, sports collectibles transactions. We created a lot of new regulations and then ways to you know, kind of go about fractionalizing assets that I think will you know, really pay dividends for all Reg A and Reg uh, D issuers in the future, over 100,000 users, part of a lot of, you know, multimillion dollar record transactions some great returns. Uh, And so, you know, for me personally, it was a great opportunity, really grateful for the opportunity and, you know, really excited about mascot mascot, you know, has a chance to really be, you know, the core central operating system of the hobby. So, you know, I'm really excited to talk about that.
0: Yeah, and I'm not going to, we're not going to get there yet. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it, keep the topic on collectible for a few more minutes. Uh, First of all, I'll say hi to Jeff Hart. Good evening to you, Jeff and Jeff McMahon. The Jeffs are here now. Uh, The Jeffs are here right now. Um, So you know, you mentioned that you still, you, you, you still think fractional is, is a legitimate, uh, business model. I don't You use, I don't, I'm paraphrasing, but you said you still have hope for fractional. You know, I do too. Like I believe in fractional as a way to own assets in various asset classes. You know, as, as I've said before, I worked in frac in, in fractional land, which is really, it's called land banking when you're dealing in fractional land. And, uh, And so I I had an intimate sort of knowledge of how fractional asset ownership works and some of the the benefits. And and I guess even I have been aware of some of the pitfalls of it working in land because we you have cycles in land just like you have in sports cards and and memorabilia. And, uh, you know, I my thoughts on collectible is like I, I loved collectible when I was doing collectible live for almost two years, Ezra, and you know i always enjoyed talking about the assets that were coming up on on ipo the cards the memorabilia and you know at the time we were the hobby was in in a place of rising tides like everything was going up in value all the time and it made it it just i guess that made it seem better than it maybe was and the liquidity on the sec like you were selling out the ipos no problem it felt like but the the Liquidity on the secondary market, on the collectible secondary market platform, I think that's where it didn't catch on as much. Is that right? Because if there was more action on that secondary market, people would have been able to be more liquid and get in and out of those shares more often. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, look, me—I I agree with you. You know, I think the the, the secondary market uh, hopes—I don't think panned out. Uh, as quickly for fractional platforms as we all hope. And by the way, this is not a collectible specific thing. You know, all the other fractional platforms are suffering. Uh, you know, from that same challenge at the moment. You know, I think I think you know I do think there very much is a business model for fractional. Not sure yet. Uh, having a secondary market is the proper way to go. Obviously, that was the view. You know, when when we launched back in when Collectible launched back in 2020, 21. I think it's important to put these things in context too. When Collectible launched in 2020. In 21, you know, that was really the height of the, the kind of retail trading market, right? Everyone wanted liquidity, everyone wanted to trade. And, uh, you know, it, it was very exciting. It was very exciting. And still, you know, there are a lot of great moments of trading. I remember uh, when the when the Ali belt at Heritage sold for 6.1 million the following Monday when, you know, the other Ali belt opened up on Collectible, you know, we did almost $100,000 worth of intraday trades on the Ali belt and it rose, you know, something like 300%. That day, so we saw little hopes and uh, glimpses of what uh, fractional can be. You know, look, I think in order for fractional liquidity to really develop, you need a lot of people, right? And you know, you need you need you know a large mass of participants. Look at the public markets; I mean, there are millions and millions and millions of participants. You know, we're talking uh, fractionalized collectibles. There could be, you know, thousands, right? And so, you know, I think you you just need a lot more participants to develop a vibrant secondary market. I'm a big believer in the idea that you know trophy assets. Uh, should be and can be owned by groups of people, and I, you know I very much think there are ways in which fractional will develop and have you know a real place in the hobby uh, to come and in the industry to come. And, you know again I, I think you know the work that we did at Collectible really was revolutionary and I think laid a pretty powerful foundation for what uh, fractional can be. I also you know I think it's pretty cool uh, the, the news that came out on Fanatics uh, and, and IMG and the live event side. You know another thing we're very proud of at Collectible is. Uh, David and I, you know, co-founded along with IMG, the, uh, Mint, right? Which is, you know, a really great event. We partnered and pitched this to IMG. IMG signed on to it. That was IMG's first investment in the industry and piggybacking off the success of the Mint Collective. They've now co-partnered with fanatics to build out a whole live event series around this. So, you know, a, a, a lot of great work was done at Collectible. And again, my hopes and dreams uh, are that Collectible has the next chapter.
0: You mentioned that you know you've been gone from there for four months, so you may not be privy to everything going on there now. But what what is what do you know about uh, in terms of what's going on at Collectible now? Like I hear and I just hear things, so I can't verify. But I, I, I'm you know just watching hobby content. I hear the collectible assets are now being auctioned off on various auction platforms. Um, do you know is is that true? I have no reason not to believe it, but is that true? Are they liquidating all the Assets that were IPO'd and moving on to something else. What's uh, what do you know about what's going on there now that you're able to say?
1: Yeah, look. I mean, again, I haven't been there in four months, and you know, I'm really not privy to uh, you know all, all the things going on there. I would definitely encourage everyone watching this to contact Collectible directly. Uh, you know, they've you know from my experience, they've been fairly responsive, and you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they would love to hear from you. Uh, based on my understanding, um, you know, polls were sent out to shareholders, and probably. You know, a direct result of secondary market liquidity, uh, not developing as much as hoped. Asking shareholders if they wanted liquidity opportunities uh, in the form of auctions, and by and large, uh, you know, the, the the sentiment was yes, and so that that prompted uh, items to be taken to uh, to auction. But again, you know, again, I'm I've moved on, and I'm at mascot. Very excited to talk about mascot, and would highly encourage people uh, to contact collectible directly.
0: So, do you want to stop talking about collectible
1: now and (laughs) talk about mascot? (laughs) Yeah, please. Yeah, and I think
0: you know that's really all I had to talk about uh, collectible. uh, In terms of collectible, you know, I did enjoy personally doing collectible live. Uh, You brought you brought some great guests my way and introduced me to a lot of wonderful people in in the hobby and not just in the sports card memorabilia hobby, Ezra, but you introduced me to people in comics, in Photographs in action figures and pop culture in wine. We did the we did the wine That's episode. Good. I mean, you really helped me expand my uh, knowledge and just appreciation for other other collectible categories that have a, a you know that that have some value associated to them and the people within them. Like that was a lot of fun. So uh, thank you for for that and for the and for you know what I also want to say that collectible. Uh, was the first, you know, I, when I got when I got the call from Collectible going back. I think we're talking about probably July of 2021, uh, saying that you know you'd like to do a show with me. It was pretty cool for me because that was about a year, just about a year, just over a year into sports cards life, and it it kind of made me. It made me think like, wow, I, I didn't even realize this, but I've been, I've been auditioning for a, I've been auditioning for a year and I didn't even know I, I was like auditioning and these guys like what I'm doing and like my, my, my style of, uh, of live stream and, uh, and wanted to, to, you know, do something. And that was a, that was a really nice thing that, that, uh, I just appreciated that. It was, it was a nice validation that what I was doing was, uh, was resonating out there. So thanks again for that. And, um, and I, you know i wish everybody the best that was at collectible uh, yourself of course we're going to get into that right now the people that are still there and uh and anyone who did uh you know invest in those assets on the platform um you know i wish everybody the best so all right let's uh let's move on from collectible unless there's any more comments or questions from the chat on that we'll we'll be able to we'll, we'll address other ones if as long as they're not repeating what we already talked about and just. Mark Santucci, no, we did not uh, watch that game the other night uh, on the NHL network, my wife and I. Uh, okay, so mascot Ezra, I got a whole bunch of questions, but I think it's almost best if I just open up to you. Like, what's, here are my questions. You can decide, you, what is your role? What is mascot? What is your role? What took you there? Uh Please, I'm sure you, <laughs> you, you've got
1: some things you can say about mascot. Uh, again, yes, it. I do. Yeah, look, I, you know, we're we're very excited about mascot. I think mascot, you know, again, I said in my opening, I think mascot has a real opportunity to become you know, sort of the central operating system of collectibles. Uh, mascot, and I'll give Dr. James Beckett a little credit here. Uh, mascot was a name that we picked, and when I told uh, uh, you know him about about the name, he immediately said, "Oh, mascot." That stands for multi sales channel technology. And I said, you know what? You are a lot smarter than we are because that, that was not the, the, the purpose. But we've created now the acronym mascot, uh, which stands for multi asset sales channel optimization technology. There's really two parts to mascot, uh, both equally powerful. One is the, in, the inventory management component. So essentially, you know, we built a really robust technology where you can upload uh, and sync your collection. Onto you know, really amazing inventory management tools. We've uh, partnered with you know a lot of grading companies, including Tag, to uh, essentially you know get their uh, data feeds or API feeds. So when you either input a serial number or input uh, an image or upload you know a file, a spreadsheet of your collection, all the metadata from uh, the grading companies immediately populates if you know if the data is available. So you know just by putting in a serial number, you'll get high-res images, you'll get all the metadata, and so you know it's a really cool. Uh, and powerful way to just keep track of your collection, to manage your collection, to manage your P&L and all that great stuff. And the second component of it is a multi-sales channel uh, tool, right? So you can create, you know, essentially one listing on Mascot and have it broadcast uh, to multiple marketplaces all at the same time. As of right now, we're partnered with uh, eBay, MySlabs, we have a Shopify integration, which gives you uh, Amazon and essentially any social media tool. We have a lot more marketplace partnerships down the line. Uh, We've spoken, you know, almost every marketplace out there and there's, you know, real excitement about what this product can do. So, you know, we're really excited about, about mascot. My specific role is CEO. I've joined a great team of of founders here who, you know, set what I think is a really awesome vision for this. And again, I think this is a product that once people use it, once Mm -hmm. people, you know, sort of experience it, it is in a way magical. I remember the uh, first time I actually discovered Slabfolio was at last year's national and I met uh, who's one of our co-founders, and he gave me a quick demo of the product, and it was amazing. You know, I'm used to working off of. You know, I don't know about you, Jeremy, you, 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 your collection is probably bigger than mine. I have about 50 cards in my collection, but you know, I essentially uploaded my spreadsheet of 50 cards. And by the way, my my spreadsheet was always clunky to manage. And anytime I made a sale, I had to go back and upload. You know, I had to change my spreadsheet. You know, essentially uploaded this to the product, and boom, instantaneously, within a minute, you know, my my entire collection was you know in you know really beautifully displayed in a way that you know, kind of made sense to me. Uh, and then, you know, when I saw essentially the ability to integrate with multiple marketplaces, you know, clicking one button list and seeing it broadcast both on eBay and my stuff, that to me was, you know, almost a magical moment. And I thought, wow, you know, here's a product that I think could really revolutionize, uh, you know, really you know, sort of optimize how the collecting experience uh, will be and can be. And, you know, again, just r- really excited about the opportunity. To-
0: so you you kind of slipped in the word slab folio there, which was the 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 previous name of mascot. So mascot used to be called slab folio, now it's called mascot. Um, I remember being at the Mint Collective this last year at the end of March in Vegas and seeing a slab folio booth. Uh, why the switch from that name slab folio to mascot?
1: Yeah, look, you know, we, we we wanted something that was gonna be more encompassing of not just sports cards, but of all the other verticals we're gonna go into. Uh, since I've come on board, we've expanded to comics. TCG, uh, you can, you know, have, have your raw cards there too. We'll get into other categories as well. And we wanted a name that was a little bit more holistic. You know, part of what we've done also is really made uh, the platform a lot easier to use and a lot faster to use. You know, now uh if you, you, know, if you go on mascot, now it's about you know anywhere between a hundred to two hundred times faster. You can get your collection essentially fully synced. I've tried up to a thousand items and your whole collection will sync uh in you know under a minute. It's really, it's really very cool.
0: And do we have a question here from uh, Hockey Cards House. What's the website address? I'm going to put on the ticker. It's withmascot.com. Is that right, Israel? With mascot. So Correct. You, can, you can follow Mascot on social media, simply with mascot, or uh, the website withmascot.com. I'll leave that on the ticker for a minute or so right now. Uh, Corey here. Corey at Show Your Slab says, collectible having to go the process with SEC makes it very tough, almost impossible model with volatility the regulation around uh around fractional was a real a real hurdle for you guys back then uh just to go back in time a little bit speak a little bit to, to that process and and how that impacted and how you see it maybe streamlining down the road if, if a company like collectible or someone else is going to try uh, to go the fractional route again
1: yeah look i mean you know i think i think it's a uh, it's you know, it's something that's absolutely necessary, right? Going through the SEC, you want always want to be compliant. Um, certainly challenging and certainly expensive to do. You know to get approval to become SEC regulated. You know it can take up to a year to do. Uh, you know, but what was really challenging is when we would consign an asset, we had to agree on a fixed price and then essentially submit that to the SEC for approval, and the SEC could take anywhere between six weeks at the minimum to you know three months. You have to hope you know, that the price that was previously agreed to with the consigner was still relevant three months later in a volatile market that obviously becomes more challenging, in a stable market that's obviously uh, easier. And, you know, so again, I, I think in some ways, collectible uh, and fractional, again, the, these issues are not collectible specific. They're really, you know, germane to any fractional ownership platform. But, you know, I do think in volatile markets going through a, a rather cumbersome but necessary SSC process can make uh, timing challenging for sure.
0: So back to mascot. Thank you for that. You know, I've been aware of multi sales channel listing tools. For example, you could list and list an item on, on a tool and it would push it out to say, Amazon, eBay, wh- wherever else, Shopify, as an example, what, what do you feel sets mascot apart because from what i can listen and i have gone to the website and i did put in some of my cards and i have to tell you just by me literally like dragging images from my windows explorer like folder over to mascot and then it, it it does this sinking thing where you see the sinking uh the, the sinking meter and then all of a sudden it knows exactly it it knows the cards like it i thought that was pretty cool it recognized the it knew the grade the serial number the grading company that and i i did uh psa cards and tag cards and it recognized um both of them very well that was pretty cool but aside from being super sports card uh you know uh able what what else is gonna set mascot apart from other multi-sales channel listing tools that have that have existed for quite some time
1: yeah, well, I mean, my, my view, you know, on, on that, first of all, is I like competition, right? I think competition is actually a very healthy thing. Uh, you know, when you have competition, that means you're on to something. Uh, and when you have competition, it also makes you better. You know, one, one thing I think internally that will set us apart is our work ethic. Uh, you know, I think anyone who's ever worked uh, with me and with our team knows that we're exchanging, you know, emails and slacks, uh, you know, at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, late at night. So, you know, we are, we are determined to build an incredible product. Uh, You know, I think another thing is going to be distribution. You know, we have, uh, you know, a lot of amazing relationships and we've had a lot of great conversations with a whole host of, you know, marketplaces all across the spectrum from, you know, from comic book marketplaces to sports card marketplaces, you name it. So, you know, we are very committed to building a product uh, that is going to be, you know, what we think is going to be essential to the industry, right? This is going to be something where you can come. uh, And by the way, I didn't mention the best part you know, the best part is that it is free for people to use, right? So, you know, you can come in, no charge, completely free, you know, utilize all the great products and services that we have to offer. Uh, and really, you know, it's a, a robust inventory management program. Now, Jeremy, as you said, right now, you can simply drag and drop in bulk, you know, all of your items directly into uh, in, into Mascot. You know, you'll be able to list it on multi, uh, you know, on, on multi-sales channels, all simultaneously. You know, we have amazing features like bulk editing of pricing, right? So, you know, we have to go through one by one, create individual listings. You could you know, sort of do all of this in bulk. You know, when an item sells, we'll do all the PL for you. We'll, we'll give you the reporting tools. So, you know, again, you know, I, I think it's going to be a combination of distribution. It's going to be a very sticky product. Once you get on it, uh, you're, you're not going to have any, any reason to leave it. So we're, we're very excited about what we're building. This is, you know, really version one of what's to come. We have a pretty aggressive roadmap of uh, tools and services and partnerships we're going to be announcing uh but you know again we we think this is a product that uh, the, the the industry is really going to come to love
0: and you know you have all these partnerships already with with uh marketplaces and grading companies how have you been received by these by these groups so far you know i mean and, and does it help that you already had pre-existing relationships with people from these marketplaces via your involvement with mint Collective and, and collectible like how have you been how has how has Mascot been received by all of these various partners and is it is it leading you to believe that there's just going to be more and more of these added on
1: yeah it's been it's been inc- incredibly well received uh, you know even from parties who we initially thought uh, you know might might see it as competitive to their model you know I think there's this uh, you know, sort of understanding now from the marketplaces, that a degree of peer-to-peer really is the most scalable solution for marketplaces, right? You know, the model of having to send your cards uh, to a vault and only being able to sell you know, that item on that marketplace, we believe is outdated. I and mean, I think that's a, that's a belief that is actually shared by a, a lot of those marketplaces from our, our intel and our conversations. You know, A lot of these marketplaces who do have that model are starting to look at peer-to-peer uh, you know, again, you know, our our job is to give collectors and users the most distribution uh, possible, right? To give them all options that they want through Mascot, and you know, through our initial conversations and the partnership conversations in the works. You know, it seems it seems that marketplaces are 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 very aligned in that vision. You know, we want marketplaces to really compete uh, for conversion, right? We want them to compete, you know, for who can market the assets the best who can bring the most eyeballs to the assets. They shouldn't always have to compete for the consignment, right? We want them to compete for the conversion, not the consignment. And so, you know, I think what Mascot has the ability to do is distribute inventory to, you know, all the marketplaces so that, you know, uh, collectors and purchasers can see, you know, all of the inventory, you know, sellers can maximize their eyeballs. Hopefully it leads to faster sales. Hopefully it leads to, you know, higher prices of sales realized. You know, so we, we think this is, uh, a product that has really been adopted across other industries. It's been adopted in tickets. It's been adopted in financial markets. It's been adopted in you know resale of goods. It hasn't really been adopted in collectibles yet, but we very much believe strongly that this is where the industry is headed.
0: All right, so, I, okay, I love it. You, you've given me some more questions. Uh, Leighton Sheldon has joined us. We're gonna bring you out in just a minute, Leighton. I have a couple of questions. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tie him in beautifully. I've got a plan for that. Steve L, welcome to the show. Says, hope you're enjoying your summer, Ezra. Corey of Choyers Lab says that the tag bot is in the chat. Uh, my colleagues at Tag say, we are loving, mascot, and honored to be included in the platform. Ezra is the man, and thank you very much, Ezra. Uh, Hockey Cards Plus, I just signed up. Very good, very good. Drake's PC in the house. Always good to see you, Drake. Welcome to the show. Uh, Jeff Hart asks, is there a possibility of loading all inventory already in the collector's vault and or the... PSA set registry into mascot in the future, Ezra.
1: Yeah, look, man, I think I think it's a great idea, Jeff. You know, we've already built tools where you you know you're able to import your inventory directly from marketplaces, from uh, MySlabs and eBay at the moment. Certainly, we are looking into integrations. You know, obviously grading companies and you know vaults, uh, and you know with the PSA with the registry, that is where a lot of inventory is obviously consolidated. And so, yeah, we want to make it as easy for people to use. We want to get maximum distribution. We want to get maximum eyeballs on the product. But really, you know, we think this product, once people try it, once they experience it, I think they're going to see the magic that I saw, right? I think they're going to see, you know, sort of how, you know, how crucial this product really can become to a a collector's workflow. And so, Jeff, I think that's a great idea. It's a great question. And um, I'll certainly bring it up with, with the folks at PSA. Right on. Colin Murray,
0: good evening to you. Baz in the house, what is going on? Good to see you fellas. Hope to see you both at the National if you will be there. So, um, and here's how I'm going to segue into uh, into Leighton and bring him on is, is Mascot meant to be for the everyday collector? The Is it meant to be for the casual dealer, the collector who also sells on whatever platform is it meant for shop owners is it meant for breaking companies um leighton owns a shop let's bring leighton on and uh say hello Layton, uh welcome back buddy missed you last week hey glad to have you back now saw you up, tonight on instagram live with rob gerard doing a, a vintage showcase how are you buddy oh good thanks uh how's it going Ezra?
1: it's going well you
0: oh very well thanks looking forward to it Always nice when Likewise. the guests uh, know each other, have some history. So, okay, um, Corey, Corey at Sawyer Slabs, he says, "I'm I'm always interested in the commercial model with a service like this. Think it will almost will be almost a mandate for card shops with fanatics requirements. So, we'll come to the fanatics piece once once it once the vintage spotlight segment is is concluded. But you know, it seems to me, Ezra, and if you could just speak to that, and you know. I'd love to get Layton's thoughts on what a platform like Mascot could mean for a shop owner like Layton and also a breaker, a breaking company owner like Layton as well. Um, Ezra, do you want to take a minute and like pitch him on it sort of thing, you know, and so that we can all hear the benefits of it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think it's a product that, you know, if you have inventory of any kind, whether it's my collection of 50 cards, whether it's a Lake Country cards who has thousands and thousands of inventory already on on Mascot, uh yeah, it's a product that, you know, we think is absolutely useful. Anyone who has inventory that they want to manage or anyone who has inventory that they want to sell on marketplaces, you know, this is a product that, you know, I think will be, you know, really really helpful. You know, you actually stole my thunder, uh Jeremy. I, I was asked prior to the show to come up with a question from me so I came up with two. One is specific to mascot, the other is just specific to vintage cards, with, uh, you know, which I know is your, your specialty related. Um uh, but yeah, you know, I was going to ask you're obviously someone who's been in the hobby for you know, for a very long time, you're, you're you know, sort of one of the foremost experts in you buying and selling and all, all that good stuff. So how, how are you currently managing your inventory at the moment? Is it, you know, it spreadsheet-based? Do you have an inventory management program that you use? What are your tools uh, that you, you've, you've kind of found to be um, useful for you over the years?
2: Uh, you know, I think it depends on what kind of inventory you're talking about. So if you're talking about, let's say, like my collection versus store inventory, Versus just like vintage card inventory that I'm going to market on eBay, other platforms that you mentioned. Um, you know, quite candidly, for the most part, it's been Excel. You know, tied in with QuickBooks, and then I think recently I don't want to misquote the name of the inventory company, but they just did a deal with PSA, and uh, we got some I guess some equipment in Cronzio. My I sent st- Zo? something like that. Yeah. They just did a deal with PSA and I know Burbank uh, works with them. It's inventory management software. Um, and so uh, I wish it was on just a few minutes earlier, uh, Ezra, but if I'm to understand what mascot is, uh, basically you're going to take inventory for someone like myself who's a shop owner or a collector, dealer, et etc and um, you're going to help us manage it with your software but then are you going to help us push it out to these various platforms?
1: Yeah, correct. So we have we have API feeds directly into the marketplaces so you can have all of your inventory on Mascot and you can select what inventory you want to sell and essentially click one button list, create one marketplace listing uh, and essentially distribute it to whatever marketplaces you want to. So, you know, uh, within literally a matter of seconds, later, and you could have your inventory on eBay, MySlabs, Shopify, Amazon, all across your social media feeds, all across any you know other partnerships that we that we roll out shortly. Um, so you know it's a really powerful tool. You know when when I first saw it, and again you know, I saw it you know at, at the last year at national, just being able to hit one button list and immediately see you know my items on my slabs and eBay all at the same time. You know that that to me saved you know minutes right, or it saved you know probably ten minutes right. I would have I would have to go on and create individual listings you know on each marketplace, and then if it sells on one, I have to go back to the other and pull it down. This does that all for you. So. With one click of a button, you can be listed on multiple marketplaces, and the software, once it sells, will automatically remove the listing you know, from all the other marketplaces, and then give you reporting tools, and then give you your PL and track all of your costs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's something that, uh, again, I think it, you know is incredibly powerful, and once you see it, there is a magic to it that uh, is addicting.
2: Uh, are you able to push items uh, in addition to all the platforms you mentioned? Are you able to push it to your own website if you own a website?
1: Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, you are. So you could either push it to your own website, you could create your own website using Shopify. So that there are uh, ways to to do that. And then you can handle pricing as well. So we have a bulk edit pricing feature. So you can say, I want, you know, the market's up this week. I want to raise my pricing across the board 2%. Right. So you can do that all in, you know, literally one click of a button. Uh, and then again, if the market's down, right, you could, you could, you know, say, I want to decrease the pricing of all my inventory, you know, by one to 2% or any combination thereof. And
2: as far as um, what mascot is charging for this because I haven't looked uh, at the website or anything of that nature before today's uh, you your know, show um, are you charging a flat fee is it a percentage of sales I'm
1: curious it is uh, it is free it is completely free for consumers we are building uh, you know what I call a freemium model which is we're building you know sort of additional uh, pricing tools which are you know more sophisticated than what we have for just the you know, in our current V1 version of the product. But yeah, I mean, if you want to go and create a mascot account, there is zero charge for the consumer.
2: That's great. And so um, what uh, eventually, right? I mean, it seems like all well and good, but I, I, I've seen, you know, the story before in our hobby where people offer something for either free or very low and they raise the price over time. So um, as much as I'm sure you appreciate how good the service is, how does uh, your company eventually expect to get revenue?
1: Yeah. Look, you know, we again we we are very committed to, uh, you know, to, to having this free model. Uh, we will be rolling out, you know, a freemium model. We have affiliate type partnerships and commercial arrangements uh, with with all the vendors as well. Uh, and so, you know, we're we're, we're very confident uh, that this is a product that you know has a pretty robust business model behind it. You know, our job now is to really get out there and tell the story, get people using it, get them to you know to to give us real time feedback so we can continue to make improvements. Tell us what marketplaces you want us you know who you're using and why which grading companies you want us to integrate with which categories you want us to go into which features you want us to build um you know so you know we're really uh, right now in the in the storytelling phase but again you know our our commitment to keeping the price free you know for for the consumer based on our our sort of basic feature tools is something that we 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 feel committed to well it sounds
0: really exciting yeah Um, so marketplaces you know i wonder if you if in the future the hobby can expect to be able to use mascot to push their items out to you know in addition to the marketplaces you listed to but to pwcc who i do the i cover their auctions on here uh, on sports cards live and then i had i had eric from whatnot on last week and that's another you know major platform in the space any plans to work with pwcc uh and or whatnot or anyone else uh that you're able to mention by name if any at this point
1: yeah look you know again you know there, there are marketplaces like like them who have not yet adopted a peer-to-peer model uh, based on conversations we've had, you know, I, th- I think they're, they're definitely exploring a peer-to-peer. You know, I think, I think they've seen, you know, some of the logistical challenges of just keeping you know all inventory in hand. Uh, You know, and I think they they realize that in order to build something more robust and scalable peer-to-peer, as long as you have trusted sellers and as long, as you have good quality control peer-to-peer is the most scalable marketplace solution. Uh, it is our firm belief that, you know, more and more marketplaces will adopt, at least you know some degree of a peer-to-peer model and you know i think you know as that continues to take shape mascot will be you know even more valuable you know there's also you know i can't even keep track of how many marketplaces there are now there's even you know micro marketplaces where you have a community you know people who share an interest in say vintage cards and you are creating you know you know kind of these micro marketplaces there's just so much fragmentation you know and as for consumers and i don't know about you guys but you know, there's just some marketplaces that I check more than others. for no other reason than I just happen to check more than others. Yeah. And so you know there's lots of inventory that I miss, right there, there, There's lots of inventory that you know may not be attracting the right buyer just because it's on the wrong marketplace. right? And so you know we really think that you know more distribution equals more eyeballs, which will ultimately lead to faster sales and hopefully higher realized prices, but it'll also increase you know, just the liquidity and the efficiency of the market. and mascot really has the ability to sort of be that core operating system that allows you to kind of keep track of all your listings, blast them out to as many places as once, handle all the backend reporting for you, uh, you know, even things like, you know, handling, you know, insurance or handling, you know, sort of, uh, you know, UPS bills or all, all of that good stuff are things that we're thinking about. Uh, and so, you know, we'd love for people to go on the platform, try it out and please tell us, you know, your, your feedback. We're, we're, we're responsive and, you know, we'd, we'd love to build the most, you know, sort of the, the best product possible for, for collectors.
0: It's, it's fun having Leighton on now because he's doing part of my job, which is asking you the questions <laughs> they, but, because they're very it's germane. to do your today. job pretty yeah, they're, soon, Jeremy. They're, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're easy to come up with. Leighton, please, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I wanted to just ask because I'm curious um,
0: uh, for
2: the sake of curiosity, but also I'm intrigued by what you're suggesting and saying, uh, Ezra. So I caught, I think, just a smidge of this as I was in the, the green room uh, for a few minutes before I came on and it seems as though this whole movement, not advocating for or against it to make sure I'm understanding properly, uh, so that the audience understands properly. It's kind of anti-vault meaning like in order to participate with, um, your company and your service, your platform, I would suppose you physically need to have the product.
1: Well, so again, you know, we, our view is that, you know, the, the, the vault has real utility. Right by using a vault, you know you save sales tax, right? So you're saving eight percent off of the bat. That has real utility and real benefit for collectors. I think our view uh, is that you know if you send an item to a vault, that shouldn't only preclude you uh, or only mandate you to sell it on one marketplace, right? Because that marketplace is only you know limited to who their buyers are, and there's some buyers that look at one marketplace but not oh, the I, other. I
2: I agree. You don't have to sell me. Yeah. I guess the million dollar question is because now like the vault business is hot. And as someone who, you know, dabbles in it and, and uses the different services, how do you get, I'll name them, how do you get PWCC, Golden, etc., eBay, etc., how do you get their vaults to play nice? Because yeah. basically, the way I understand it is, they want you to give your items to them, right, to vault them, and then you can exchange on their platform with one another but you're trying to open that up to everyone um if i'm understanding you properly is that the case
1: yeah so you know with with the vaulting business right so you're you know there are ways obviously to you know kind of take your items off the vault or to sell them on a different channel and you know the the vaulting service or the marketplace who operates the vault does generate revenue you know from you redeeming your car there obviously you know the 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 economics uh, are different across the board and of course every marketplace wants to you know, kind of make that sale, right? Because by making that sale, uh, you know, they certainly make more by making the sale than just by having you sell it elsewhere. But, you know, again, our, our view is that, you know, a lot of these marketplaces who have a vault and have adopted this model of, all right, vaulted with us and you only can sell it with us, you know, our view and certainly based on good intel and conversations is that, you know, that that model might be outdated and, you know, one that uh, you know, other marketplaces are saying, hey, look, how do we really scale these markets? How do we get from 20,000 listings to, you know, a million listings? How do we get to 5 million? Li-? And the only real way to really do this is by adopting a peer-to-peer model. And as these adoptions continue to occur, you know, again, there's already a lot of fragmentation. It feels like every day I'm learning about a new marketplace that has, you know, just launched and they're all looking for inventory, right? So, you know, what could be the platform that essentially populates all of these marketplaces uh, with inventory day one? mascot, right? And for you know, for the sellers, you know, when you're selling something, you want maximum eyeballs and you want maximum realized price and you want, you know, to sell the items as quickly as you can. Right. And so, you know, by just selling on one marketplace, you might be missing an interested buyer. You might be, you know, missing, you know, someone who wants to buy it today, right? Maybe at a slightly higher price. So again, you know, our view is that vaults have utility. And I don't think you know vaults are going away. In fact, you know, I've used vaults I think you know saving that eight percent off the bat feels feels really good. You know, and, 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 you know, for some people who have, you know, great trophy assets, having the insurance uh, and the protection of vaulting something is another great utility. But, you know, our view is that you shouldn't be precluded uh, from selling or listing your items elsewhere. It doesn't make sense that, you know, items can only be listed on one marketplace.
2: I agree. I'm just going to throw this out there and I don't want to, you know, take up the rest of the show, Jeremy. So I appreciate you letting me ask some questions. This is really You're fun. You're doing um, a great job. Thank but you. But back in the day, uh, for those who are not familiar, um, eBay runs a program called EPN. It's the yeah. eBay Partner Network, and it's an affiliate network. And, Jeremy, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Ezra, it looks like you're familiar with it as well. I'm not sure how much of the audience is. But in general, folks, Amazon has something like this as well. So what folks will do, like big companies like that, they will pay you to drive traffic to their site. And if people click a link and ultimately make a purchase within that allotted time period, then they're going to make a fee. Right on that, and so the reason I bring it up is, and this is once again, this is you know, this is 10:45 at night. My son's waiting for me, and this is just kind of like off the cuff. Um, I love what you're talking about. I'm definitely gonna investigate it more um, tomorrow, but I feel like in general, it would be kind of cool, right? Conceptually, wrap your mind around this. Let's just say, forget about your tool. And I know you're not gonna like to hear that, but forget about your tool and your company. Forget about every other platform. Imagine there was just one uniform platform where all the data plugged directly into the grading companies and maybe that's mascot. But I believe the way you're suggesting, and I think you get this, it should be a race. It should be that all these other platforms are affiliate marketers for us, the people that own the inventory, the collectors, the dealers, the investors, the hybrid, you know, whatever the case is. And as far as I'm concerned, If such and such platform sells my card, they'll get my affiliate fee. If your platform sells my card, then you get my fee. And I'll tell you, if that happens, I think that's really empowering for every single person that cares about baseball cards, vintage or modern.
1: Look, uh, we we, we like it, right? I mean, our view is that, you know, again, when you probably look at the distribution of time that, you know marketplace is spending, you know, a lot of it is going after consignments and inventory, right? As opposed to focusing on how to market these assets the best, how to increase conversions, how to get more users, more eyeballs, you know, on, on the stuff that they you know, have, right? So yeah, I mean our, our view is that, you know, we think, you know, blasting items out to multiple marketplaces to increase eyeballs and whoever whichever marketplace kind of gets that sale first gets gets the commission. I, I think I think that you know, certainly as a model that's been adopted in other industries, tickets is a really prime example. You could have your, you know, your courtside tickets to the Knicks, right? They could be on SeatGeek, StubHub, Vivid Seats, you know, Ticketmaster, all all at the same time, the same tickets on multiple marketplaces, whichever marketplace brings in the buyer and who purchases it gets the commission, right? You know, there it, 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 there's no logical reason why that should be any different within sports cards or or other collectibles. Well, I
2: would I would argue just for a minute that there is a logical reason that's illogical. which is that there's a new game every night in every sport. They're not making a new Jackie Robinson card or a new Shoeless Joe Jackson or a new Mickey Mantle. So there are some people, I don't know who they are, but there are some people who may be against having their card on the New York billboard and in different countries and different continents around the world. And I'm not suggesting I'm one of them, but there are people who collect that are fairly private Mm-hmm. That maybe only wanted on one platform and nowhere else. Um, but I think in general, the masses are going to be very excited to have their cards seen by more people, have their cards, hopefully sell for more money and sell faster. Sounds like a dream come true and baseball card fantasy land to me.
1: Love it. Love it.
0: Ezra, did you, you have, did you have a, another question for Layton?
1: I, I did. Un, unrelated to mascot, Uh, But, you know, I've always wondered lately. I mean, I have my theories, but I love your your expert knowledge. I've always been fascinated with, you know, kind of movements within uh, vintage card pricing, right? Obviously, you know, players are either no longer living or they're retired. So there's no, you know, absent a documentary or, you know, Hall of Fame announcement or absent a real or death, absent a real catalyst. There's not always kind of a logical reason why, you know, certain players' prices, you know, move up you know, at random, you know, one example that comes to mind, uh, is, you know, a Hannes Wagner tip top red card. You know, I remember, you know, a, a five, right. was trading at, you know, 90,000 or so. And then two months later out of the blue, you know, there, there's an auction and a three sells for 160 grand. Right. So and obviously there's differences, uh, in terms of IP, all of that can come into play. Uh, in this particular example, that was not the case. Uh, so, you know, I was just, just you know, a question for you, late. I mean, what what do you think sort of moves markets within Like, what are the catalysts that you see? Again, absent you know something like a death or a Hall of Fame announcement or you know, something a little, like what like what could be behind some of these market moves where it just pops? You sure. That's a great
2: question, Ezra. I appreciate you asking it. Um, what I hear you asking is like, hey, what's some of that secret sauce, right? That everyone kind of wants to know. And I think it's a combination of Just, for example, the three of us talking here, word of mouth. And then that word of mouth ends up, I think, spreading into a little bit of reality and real information. But then there's also FOMO. So, for example, you're bringing up Wagner. Wagner cards are hot right now. Well, he's been dead for a long time. And there are those that say, well, you know, Wagner's cards versus what the Tito 6 sells for should sell for more. I'm not arguing for or against. I have a couple cars, i on the Tito 6, on Swagger. Um, but I think sometimes uh, what you're asking is what I just suggested in regards to, it doesn't make much logical sense. But if you think about this, if there's 250 three-person groups, like ours right here, right now, on Sports Car Live on Saturday night at the National, and we all decide, because I was thinking about this, just as, let's just say, because I saw the 53 Top Satchel page earlier on um, Rob's show, we just think that it's too cheap. You shouldn't be able to buy an example for less than a thousand dollars, even a 53 Top's. Off, I mean, talking 53 Tops off grade. Well, theoretically, right? If all of us went around the National and we bought I mean, there's not that many Satchel pages in low grade. By the end of the National, if you want to own a 53 Top Satchel page, it would be more money. Had nothing to do with eye appeals. Nothing to do with grade. So, got to keep in mind the population, what cards you're talking about, right? And I think the tip top wagner is extremely low pop. So, that could just simply be a case of person missed out in the auction. They're like, hey, I'm hell bent on getting the next example. Well, apparently someone else was. They have FOMO. And then, you know, the worlds collide, like this in Seinfeld, right? George is very upset about that. Um, I hope it did a good job of trying to answer the questions succinctly, Jeremy.
0: Um, I think. I think you did. I, I think I think you gave an example. Your your two hundred and fifty three, three person, three uh, three person segments out there at any given time, but I think that's really what it is. It, it's that you know there's there's narrative around a certain player, around a certain card, a certain set, and then more and more people have their sights set on it, and all of a sudden, now that's in the absence of any funny business, any mark, any like deliberate. Uh, market manipulation going on because there are cases where that is what is driving some pricing. But if we're if we're assuming that that is not the case in 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 the in the scenario that Ezra is at, if Ezra is asking about a case that is void of any funny business, then I think it's 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 just the movement of of the of the of the of the, of the collective hobby at any given time on a certain player. I've been hearing a lot lately that, like you said, Honus Wagner cards. Are hot right now i haven't seen that with my own two eyes i'm not following the cards but i'm hearing about it here we are talking about it again tonight the fact that we are now adding on to that narrative might cause more people to go look and be impacted by what they're hearing and say oh maybe i better get one before i miss the boat which might might make you think you've already missed the boat if now is when you're looking to go buy yeah no prices the flag. Uh,
2: for whatever it's worth i've been paying attention prices are very strong Um, and,
0: uh, you know, who knows where
2: we'll end up, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what Wagner cards are priced at at the national, but also just in general, really looking forward to the show. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to it too. Looking forward to seeing you there. Leighton, uh, before we let you go, I I genuinely thank you for, uh, for the great questions for Ezra on mascot. I think, uh, you, you put, you gave some great questions that I wouldn't, wasn't going to think of yet. So thank you for that. I'm a good teacher, Jeremy. Yeah. (laughs) Anything you'd like to uh, let the audience know before you go and uh, and you will be at the National in two weeks.
2: Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, So we have a big event ending for Vintage Breaks, uh, the final day of the National, July 30th. You can check out all the details at event.vintagebreaks.com. And I don't want to reveal all the details because we have a call with them on Tuesday, but I believe... We're going to be making our splash with Fanatics Live at the National with a very special vintage pack. So stay tuned. Watch Vintage Breaks on social
0: media next week for details. Well, thank you. Appreciate Vintage uh, Vintage Breaks. Just Collect. Layton Sheldon is a sponsor of Sports Cards Live. Thank you, Layton, for coming on as always for the Vintage Spotlight. We'll see you in Chicago in Rosemont at the Stephen Center in under two weeks. So thanks again, buddy. Take it easy, guys. All right. Thank you, Layton. So I want to, Ezra, I want to pick up where we left off uh, before he came on. And that was this question from uh, show your slabs and the end part of it, where he says, um, is this the one here? This, no, sorry, wrong, wrong comment. I'm going to go back up to this one here where he says, uh, as far as. I'm just gonna read it from the beginning. I've always been interested in the commercial model with a multi sales channel service like this. I'm paraphrasing. Think it will be almost a mandate for card shops with the fin- with these new Fanatics requirements that they have been publishing. Is this an, a potential, uh, you know, alignment for Mascot to to work with Fanatics to become their preferred inventory management uh, software for local card shops that are going to be carrying their products? Perhaps.
1: Yeah, look, man, I think it's a great point and a, and a great question. You know, obviously, I think we've all seen some of the some of the requirements from Fanatics and there's, you know, a lot of data capture that's required, right? Keeping track of inventory, what's sold, you know, how many buyers are already. That's all stuff that a mascot could really help uh, card shops with. It's a really unbelievable tool, uh, you know, for, for, for that regard. You know, again, you know, we, we have good tentacles into into Fanatics, uh, interested to, you know, see how they continue to develop. And, you know, certainly I think it's worth the conversation.
0: Awesome. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you, Corey. Uh, Rob, the sports card therapist we were just talking about says great episode so far. Thank you, Rob. Always good to see Rob and his content is amazing. Check it out. Uh, Okay, so some more comments from Corey. He says, if a card does, if a card sells, does mascot facilitate the shipping labels or do you need to go to your marketplace account and do it from there?
1: Yeah, great, great, great question again. Uh, yeah, we we actually have. It's not rolled out uh, in the product yet, but yes, you will be able to essentially get air bills uh, and shipping labels directly from Mascot. So, if you sell something privately, or you want to you know send it off to a marketplace or to a buyer. Yes, you will be able to get uh, a you know a, a favorable deal on shipping labels through Mascot.
0: Awesome. Mark Santucci says, "I do think items should be sold at your local card shop, any card, and I think that's a noble." comment and desire, but the, 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 reality of it is, and to Mark, and the, and I was just in my local card shop the other day, talking to Mike over to Eastridge and I'm looking at his show, and like, I go, Mike, you've got some, you've got a great selection here. Not a lot of LCSs where I live have a, so actually none do he's got the best selection of singles for any LCS in the area. And I said to him, like, how long do you let these sit here? And he said, well, you know, we let them sit for X amount of time and then we, and then we list them because Mark says, I think they should be. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, the local card shop may be having the, the local card shop customers may be having the right of first refusal to buy cards. Cause maybe they're exclusive on those in those showcases for the first say 30 days, but then it becomes somewhat, it can, it can become stale inventory, which is kind of funny in sports cards. Cause sometimes stale inventory becomes your best investment over time. But in the event you know we're not in that market we're not in that part of the cycle right now anymore at least we don't know that we are so i always think that like yeah maybe give your local customers that that rofer that right of first refusal for the first whatever two weeks 30 days but maybe after that it's time to convert your inventory back to cash use it to use it to run your business pay your staff pay rent buy more inventory and move it as best as you can on whatever marketplace you, and at that point, that's when a, a service like mascot becomes invaluable because you're going from being on say one online platform, which might just be your own website, which is gonna be a very limited audience, really just customers to several, including some of the biggest ones. So um, do you have anything to say to that, uh, those comments, Ezra?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of dialogues obviously, and uh, you know, it's interesting to, to hear custom strategies, if you will, uh, that either consignment shops take, dealers take, card shops take. And you know, I've heard everything from, you know, we keep it on buy it now for 10 days and then if it doesn't sell on buy it now in 10 days, we put it up to auction. You know, I've heard, you know, from card shops and say, you know, we keep inventory on hand for a month If it doesn't sell, you know, in store in a month, we'll list it on the marketplaces. Uh, you know, what's cool about Mascot, obviously, is you can keep track of, you know, when the inventory came in, you know, your purchase date of inventory. Uh, and then, you know, we're also building tools, which, you know, really will help automate some of these strategies. Uh, but what I also think would be pretty cool is you could have it listed simultaneously. You could create a Shopify website for your card store, put all the inventory up on your card uh, shop website, but also have them on, you know, eBay, MySlabs, and any other marketplace that we that we integrate with. And again, w- whatever moves first moves first, all right? So you know, I think I think Mascot uh, is a tool that can certainly help in, in in all these areas. Right on. Okay, good.
0: No, this is uh is really really interesting stuff. Um, okay. Uh, Corey here said, if someone is selling their card, I find it hard to understand why they would want to limit possible buyers. I think uh, I, I think that was in response when, when maybe Leighton said, you know, you just want to, some people just want to post it to the one marketplace, or maybe he said just people only want to shop on one marketplace. Um, and I don't think that's a great strategy to only list it on one market. If you have the ability to list it on more, it's like you said, as our eyeballs, eyeballs, impressions, I mean, that's uh, every, a lot of people use the biggest market. Let's face it. eBay is a behemoth because everyone says they get all the eyeballs. Well, if you then add on some of the more niche marketplaces in our space and then the Amazons of the world, now you're, now you're really blowing up the amount of eyeballs. And you, if maybe you're not going to sell for more, you're at least going to sell faster. Well,
1: so, you okay. know, and, sorry, just on that point too, you know, I, there's a lot of marketplaces that are, you know, kind of just coming online or really coming online that are pretty bold bracket companies. Think of DraftKings, think of TikTok. I mean, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on. So, you know, I think, I think as we think about kind of the marketplace uh, ecosystem today, you know, I wouldn't discount additional competition or additional marketplaces coming online. And again, you know, I, I agree. I mean, our, our view is that as a seller, you want to maximize eyeballs, right? You want to maximize the probability of success, whatever success means to you, whether that's quicker, you know, faster, whether that's more expensive, whatever it is, but this is a tool that will allow you to essentially, you know, uh, send your inventory out far and wide. Uh, Oh, and by the way, you could also change your pricing depending on commission models and marketplaces. You could say, hey, I want to list it, you know, 3% cheaper on eBay and a couple percent more elsewhere, right? So, you know, it gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of powerful tools to really automate uh, and really optimize this entire experience.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm going to have a comment now that relates to when I was saying that you know your your scenario, uh, your question for for Layton about you know what is moving, what why will a card all of a sudden spike? And I mentioned that you know in the absence of funny business or or deliberate market manipulation, to which Show Your Slab says, yeah, unfortunately in this day and age, it's all considered funny business, which is true. That's where. Anything that, that, you know, it's like anything that looks off is guilty until proven innocent by, by, uh, the narrative of the hobby and, um, me, I don't know, maybe that's best because our hobby is unregulated and there is a lot of opportunity for this, uh, this type of, uh, behavior within it. Steve L says, Ezra, do the collectors have to list their cards on all the marketplaces you distribute to, or can they pick and choose which ones?
1: Yeah, That's a great question by Steve. Yeah. You, you can pick and choose. So again, if you want to blast it out to every marketplace, go for it. If you want to just send it over to eBay or just the Pwcc or just any, any other marketplace, you can also do that. So it gives, it gives the collector, you know, the full ability to customize whatever their workflow is.
0: Okay. Awesome. Uh, another Corey question it says, this is all he's he, I think this is an assumption almost where he says, this is all fixed cost pricing. I owe oh, it is. I assume. Uh, And are the marketplace commissions predetermined or pre-negotiated? And have you had conversations to try if not?
1: Yeah, so on the fixed price, so you can do fixed price marketplace listings like buy it now's, you can also set, you know, essentially the minimum acceptable price. So if you you list it, I'll make up numbers, List for a hundred dollars on eBay, but you actually are willing to accept 75, any offer 75 or higher, you can set that as well. And essentially, you know, the system will automate accepting a sale if it's anything above 75. Uh, on the commissions, as of right now, you're you're integrating your own, uh, you know, essentially eBay account or MySlabs account or, you know, whatever account directly into Mascot. So whatever commission rate uh, you're currently receiving is what you're going to, you know, sort of get on Mascot at the moment.
0: Okay, awesome.
1: So I think this is
0: maybe redundant, but I'm going to read it anyway, because Jeff Hart, pretty smart guy, usually doesn't ask redundant questions. He says, if you decide to auction versus list fixed price, do you have to choose your platform in that case? So. The way I'm interpreting it is like, can I can I list an auction on eBay and also have that same item fixed priced on my slabs?
1: Well, I, I do I do love the idea. Again, I think this is very forward thinking of being able to auction items simultaneously in multiple platforms, So whichever auction house brings the best price is the one who actually gets commission. I think that's a really cool idea. Obviously, not something that uh, is near term, uh, but yeah, to 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 Jeff's question, uh, yeah, you can list it on multiple marketplaces through a fixed price if it's an auction. Uh, as of right as of right now, the only auction you can do is eBay. So in that case, uh, it's sort of eBay auction uh, or fixed price buy it now is across all the other marketplaces that were integrated. But, and
0: and if you're going to do on my slabs and wherever else.
1: Sorry, say, say that one more time. You, you chopped up on me a little bit there. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah. So if you're going to go with a fixed price listing, then all the, all the, partnered marketplaces are available to you. If you're going to go auction, you have to choose, are you going to auction on eBay or another, and then it's only one marketplace integration for that item. And if you've got a thousand items in your inventory on mascot, you you can decide on what day, you know, like you might wait for a player to get hot, click, you know, hit, click that button and push it out to all the, all the marketplaces on that day to hopefully capture that, that hot market. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, correct. And, and on the auctions, by the way, just like you would on eBay listing uh, you know, you can customize the length of the auction, three, five, seven, ten 10 days, you can customize, you know, what the the starting bid price is. So it gives you the full uh, suite of, of, of tools uh, for eBay auctions.
0: All right. Very good. Yeah. It says, imagine winning an auction. And it says, sorry, you lost It sold for more elsewhere. Yeah, that's, that wasn't the the, the best well thought out question by myself, but, uh, but I, but that's okay. Um, okay. Um, Anything else, like mascot wise? I feel like we've covered a lot here. I, I must say that, you know, my mind is kind of racing as to use cases for it. And I mean, you might think, well, of course it is, Jeremy. There's a lot of use cases for this, but I do like that multi-sales channel listing. Like, I've, again, I've been aware of multi-sales channel listing tools being used by people in our in this industry before, but I never. Say well. It's almost like a see where you would find them, how to use them, or even if they might have been proprietary, but I knew people were using them. Is this like canned off the shelf multi-listing product that is more friendly for the the regular collector who likes to maybe have 20 to whatever, one to a hundred cards for sale at any given time?
1: Yeah, again, you know, with mascot, you know, we we built this essentially. It could be for you know just the average collector as a couple, you know, items, or it could be for dealers who have millions of items, right? It really can be whatever you decide uh, to be and whatever your inventory, uh, you know, sort of needs are. Uh, you know, look, we we think, you know, again, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times, but I'll say it again. You know, we we think that you know this product really is going to be absolutely essential. Right? We think about just the pure fragmentation of marketplaces. There are just so many. It's hard to keep track, uh, and every you know, Marketplace has you know some degree of unique buyer set. Some people check eBay, some people check MySlap, some people trust this, some people trust that, right? Uh, you know, for us, you know, this is a tool that essentially will give uh, collectors and users the full customization of how they want to kind of you know send their items out and market their items. Uh, you can create custom descriptions directly uh, for it. You can get high-res images directly from it. Um, and again, so if we've created a product that in uh, just version one, you know, we have a pretty, I think I said this too, but we have a pretty aggressive roadmap. So what you see now is not what you're going to see in six months. There's, there's a lot of things coming, a lot of integrations coming, a lot of partnerships to be announced, a lot of new capabilities uh, to, you know, to, to be rolled out. But, you know, I think this is something that, uh, you know, once it's developed and once people will kind of see it uh, and kind of see the magic in it, I think it's going to be something that it's going to be hard to live without once you've kind of experienced it, which is pretty cool. So, okay. That makes me think, and I'm kind of thinking outside the box
0: here a little bit, but I want to call this the threads effect. Are you familiar with the new social media platform threads, the, the meta Instagram product, you know, that thing launched what a week ago and it was, it was hot for like a day and then you see it cooling down. And now I see people putting out polls and asking questions on Twitter and threads saying, you know, is it going to stick is, you know, or people are also saying, you know, my, my, my timeline is all messed up. I don't want to see comments from all these people, which I agree with, like, I don't want to see stuff from people I'm not following. But I also then think to myself, like, it just launched everybody. Like, like, don't, don't give up on it yet, or maybe take a break from it. But like, you have to think it's going to improve over time. However, in the meantime, I feel like threads is losing a lot of users because it did, it isn't to the point where a lot of potential users and and early adopters who were going to give it a chance were pleased with that very first version. So I think threads might have lost some people. I think they might get them back eventually. So I call that the threads effect, where you're just not really you're 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 going out with your MVP, your minimum viable product, but you're risking losing some people because they just don't like that MVP. Now, could that could that be an issue for mascot right now? Because you guys are coming, you know, you've launched, you have an aggressive roadmap. Maybe speak to to that. And I can't, I will say I did use mascot. I did go in and I was very impressed. I'm not just saying that. I was like, "Oh, this is slick." So, I was captured by that. But I haven't gone as far as now listing cards for sale anywhere. So I can't speak to the full experience. Yeah.
1: Well, look. I, I'll say again. You know, it's not a new product, right? Slabfolio has been around. Uh, you know, for for over you know a, a year and a half, two years. So the technology has been in the works for many years now, right? So this is not something that we created. You know, off off the shelf, and you know, it's it's you know, it's really fresh. What we did is we enhanced the uh, user experience, we made it easier to navigate, we, we made it a lot faster, we expanded, you know, which types of assets you can use. Now you can do uh, comics and TCG and, uh, you know, sort of un- ungraded cards and, you have know, non-sports cards. Um, but again, you know, I think, I think with all technology products, you know, it continues to get better over time. More features get developed, we get more real-time feedback, you know, on, on what we're doing, which allows us to you know, to just optimize it. You know, as of right now, though, again, you know, we, we've got, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of people using it, you know, over $35 million of inventory, close to 30,000 uh, listings have already, you know, facilitated and been, you know, completed uh, on Mascot. So, you know, the technology absolutely works, but, you know, that that's that's not to say that, you know, what you see now is a finished product. Uh, but, you know, I think in the next coming months, certainly it gets better by the day uh, and it, it will continue to get better over time.
0: So you're not a week and you are, yeah, I didn't, I did didn't conceive that you are a year and a half in already under, you know, the former brand name, Slabfolio. So that that's comforting to know that there's already been that much sort of uh, evolution of the product and service thus far. Now you talked about, and it is the convenience for a seller to list on multiple platforms is wonderful. There's also a bunch of people in the hobby that wish there was one, one mega platform and that was it so that everybody just didn't have to worry about keeping track everywhere which brings me to my, my question, maybe suggestion, I'm sure you've thought of it is, is it possible then to come to, to, can mascot be that global marketplace? Is it possible to go to mascot and search for listings and find things on currently eBay, my slabs, uh, and, uh, and Amazon, uh, was it Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. Amazon.
1: Yeah. So, you know, as of right now, we're focused on the, you know, on the sell side of this, the inventory management and the sell side, obviously, you know, I think, um, you know, sort of consolidating, you know, the, the ability for people to actually find products that they want to buy and then have that drop directly into an Im- inventory management program, Uh, you know, kind of have all the reporting, all the cost basis, you know, recorded right there. And then if and when you do want to sell it, you can sell it directly at Mascot. Obviously, I think, you know, that has merit. Uh, we have no intention of becoming our own marketplace, right? So if we did something along these lines, it would be, you know, kind of working with uh, our marketplace partners to really just consolidate, you know, both the uh, you know, inventory management, buying and selling experience. But again, not not something we're focused on right now. But I, I do think that has a lot of merit, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, I, I I do
1: too. So you're welcome. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. See if it's possible
0: for you guys. Uh, Hockey Cards Plus says, will Mascot create a place where people on Mascot could sell to each other? Hope this was, it wasn't already asked, similar to what I just mentioned. I, I'm guessing we're going to get a very similar answer, but another another neat idea, Ezra.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it, it's not something we're focused on right now. You know, again, we had no uh, immediate intention of becoming our own marketplace, certainly. you know, There are, uh, you know, great, great companies that are doing something, Uh, similar right there i think probably a more logical approach would be you know an an integration with the service that allows you to uh, trade directly there's obviously a lot of different ways to distribute inventory you could do you know kind of selling on a marketplace you could do you know a trade deal you could do cash in trade right there's all these different ways to uh you know to to sell product and i think our job at mascot is uh to kind of you know give you all that distribution in one consolidated you know one consolidated platform so you know I, again i think it's a great idea and you know our job is to provide as many tools to collectors and users as uh, as they want so as many of these great ideas please you know please contact us directly we're very open to feedback i love the feedback uh so you know you can contact me directly uh, ezra with mascot.com or you can you know check in with our support team support at with mascot.com
0: yeah i mean I, I can think of so many uh, existing companies in the space that would be great integrations uh you know I, I, I think they'd be great integrations. Of course, I don't know the, the what's really going on under the hood over there at Mascot, but um, lots of potential there for you guys. So I, I think that's really, really cool stuff, man. Thank you for the questions. Uh, Corey, Jeff Hart, Hockey Cards Plus, Steve L, Mark Santucci, everybody who's been in the chat asking questions tonight greatly appreciate it. Um, all right. Uh, you know, I the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about unless you have anything else about mascot that you want to mention Ezra I want to give you that opportunity too and then I want to kind of take the discussion into a, a different direction
1: yeah thanks No, look I think we've I think we've covered it for the most part right you know I would check out the product uh, with mascot.com uh, again I think it's something once people start to use and they understand uh, its power uh, I think they're gonna have a similar reaction to what I had uh, which really compelled me to uh, to join the team, you know, I think it's something that, um, you know, when you just think about, as you said, all the possibilities, right? All the ways that mascot could integrate and really be, you know, the core central operating system of the collectibles industry. Uh, it's it's a really exciting proposition. So uh, we're, we're we're excited.
0: Mascot will be set up with a, in the corporate space at the national. I'm assuming. Correct. Yep. And we'll have. We'll be there. The software will be on display. You, you'll you be able to take it for a test drive and see what it is. And you'll have people there taking, you'll have staff on site doing demos and all that of the product?
1: Yes, correct. Yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be on site. We'll have a booth in the corporate section. Uh, we'll be giving out demos. Uh, if someone out there has a lot of inventory that they want us to you know help them sync, right? Just to kind of get their uh, environment going again, please, please reach out to us directly. If you want to schedule a personal demo, please reach out directly. Uh, again you know we really want to uh, you know kind of showcase the power of what we're building because you know we we, we think you know it's going to be incredibly integral for the hobby going forward
0: awesome well I, you know it it, it sounds like it, it's it's uh the technology is really what's powering mascot and that's pretty cool you know being involved with tag grading the technology is what's what's driving tag grading and differentiating us from from our competitors and uh it seems like mascot is uh, down going down a similar path so really happy to be uh, inter, you know on speaking with my tag hat on for a moment really happy to be integrated with mascot from that perspective and uh, along with the other grading companies that you've uh, that, that are integrated with mascot and that's really cool and glad to be there um okay i wanted to you know as a, as a final topic i want to talk about regulation in the hobby uh just get your thoughts on this because you have experience with it i think you might have more experience than anybody does in, ter- in terms of regulation and how it might impact, does impact the sports card memorabilia hobby. And you know, there's a lot of narrative out there, a lot of a lot of talk on various by various content creators and just you know comments and all that about regulation. Is it coming? It needs to coming. Breaking is gambling is is you know a common line we're hearing now. You know, you've dealt with these regulators. You've worked with the SEC. You've you 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 know what. Kind of what they're looking at when it comes to this space. What do you think is what do you think the future holds for our hobby when it comes to potential government regulation, not self-regulation, government regulation.
1: Yeah, you know, look at my time at Collectible. Obviously, you know, we we dealt with regulators constantly. We even had you know the former chairman uh, of the SEC, Jay Clayton, as a special advisor to us. We actually proposed you know sort of a lot of uh, you know sort of laws uh, or amendment amendments to uh, you know, rules from the SEC that, you know, some of which I do believe will be action going forward for uh, all Reg A and all Reg D issuers. So really, really proud of, you know, of that work. Obviously, our view at Collectible is that, you know, certainly, you know, within the world of fractional, you know, those were securities and our securities and had to be regulated. And obviously, there were a couple of companies that tried it without regulation. And, um, you know, our, our, our view is that you know, it certainly had to be regulated. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think when you talk about regulation in the industry, I guess it's really important just to kind of specify exactly what type of, of, of regulation we're talking about. And I do think, you know, certainly there's, you know, there there is self-regulation, which is, you know, whether that's, you know, the part of just kind of hobbyists, right? You buy, sell and trade and interact with, you know, people who you think are good actors, right? If someone proves to be not a good actor, you hopefully stop dealing with them, right? So that's a form of self-regulation. Um, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to other regulation, I think marketplaces are, you know, are doing a decent job of regulating themselves, right? I know there's, there's sort of a list of bad actors that get circulated. You know, I, I know a lot of marketplaces are, are trying to put in, you know, sort of more robust KYC AML, just knowing their customer, knowing that they're good stewards, knowing that, you know, uh, you know, that inventory that gets purchased, gets paid for, knowing that inventory gets sold, gets fulfilled. Um, so there certainly is a lot of that regulation going on. Um, so you know, I, I guess you know, I pose a question back to you, Jeremy. What what specific type of regulation are, are you referring to there?
0: Yeah, I think I'm really referring to regulation, and I think with the hobby, this isn't just me. I'm I'm just kind of reflecting what I'm seeing and hearing out there because I do not participate in group breaks, but group breaks, whether it's on whatnot now, Fanatics Live, eBay Live you know, whichever, whichever live shopping channel, or if it's group breaks that are going on, on Facebook groups, or YouTube channels, where an LCS is running a, a group break to it through it to its remote customers. And just the fact that, you know, listen, I mean, one of the reasons why I stopped opening product years and listen, I haven't completely stopped, but I'm almost like 95% eliminated it, is because I would, I would often leave the LCS with that same feeling you get leaving the casino after losing, you know, more than you plan to sort of thing. And what, you know, you could spend a thousand dollars and come home with a bunch with, with, you know, a hundred dollars worth of cards as an example. And so when you go into a group break and you can possibly get nothing for your money, did you gamble? And so my, my question around regulation is from a like will it be viewed as gambling will the government entity that would be in charge of this regulate this regulatory body would would they view group breaks in their current form as gambling and will they want to intervene to protect the public
1: yeah i you know from from my experience uh you know i think regulation really comes you know usually as a result a byproduct of bad actors right and, and of consumers who feel like they've been wronged in the form of you know potentially class actions and uh you know other you know other types of complaints to regulatory agencies Fraud uh, you financial
0: know financial statements
1: correct so you know i would say just you know, i think it's a pretty simple equation in the sense where i think the more bad actors the more. You know sort of uh, stuff that people find you know sort of not kosher for lack of a better term I think it certainly increases the probability of there being regulation. Um you know I don't necessarily think regulation is a bad thing by the way, right? So if you look at you know what's happening with gambling, right? Obviously sports gambling, I don't know, 10 years ago, probably even less, you know, was really just sort of a black market, right? You needed a bookie and all that. And now you know you can pretty much gamble not in every state, but in a lot of states all across America on FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, And that really has not stunted, you know, any of the, any of the activity, it's not stunted any of the dollars flowing into, into gambling. It is obviously making it a little bit harder and more expensive for these marketplaces, uh, to, to operate, but that that's probably not a bad thing. Um, you know, specifically with breaking, you know, to be honest, I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert within breaking. It's not necessarily something that appeals to me, uh, as a consumer. So, you know, I don't want to kind of pass judgment just, you know, on the surface. I think you can really make a pretty compelling case either way. I don't think it's I don't think it's clear cut, uh, but I do think uh, that you know kind of the more issues, the 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 more bad actors um, you know that uh, occur, it does increase the probability uh, of there being regulation. But I also think there's something a practical reality for regulators, and we we saw this uh, very closely at Collectible. A lot of these regulatory bodies are pretty thin staffed; they're pretty overworked, and so you know there has to be a degree. Uh, of kind of worth itness, for lack of a better term, again, for these regulators to step in and kind of devote their scarce resources to an issue. So the industry has to continue to evolve, has to continue to grow, more money has to flow into it. Um, and again, there has to be enough bad actors and enough complaints by consumers for regulators to really step in and say, hey, this is something we need to do. Obviously, you know, this industry is not, you know, sort of um, immune to having you know a, a regulatory oversight, you know there's been reports of the FBI coming to the national. Or there's been FBI investigations, right? So you know this industry certainly has been on the radar historically. To the extent that you know real regulation passes, you know with gambling laws and and whatnot. You know I think I think again it'll be a byproduct of you know how many more issues there there, there continues to be and you know how big this industry gets. So we don't we just don't know. I and, I, and you know and I. I think that's
0: the only real answer until something comes down the pipe and is announced but uh i see, seems to me just you know kind of gut feel low chance of, of any sort of regu- like governmental regulation or intervention as it, when it comes to group breaking happening in in the near term you say usually regulation comes because there are bad actors there are clearly bad actors in our in our industry in our hobby so that's not like check that box But now it really comes down to, you know, the magnitude of the issue versus other competing areas that might require those governmental resources. And where, where is sports cards going to fall? You know, what is it going to take for these agencies, these government bodies to look at sports cards as something that does require their, their time, attention and overall resources. So time will tell, I guess, is that the best way to look at it for now?
1: I think so. I think so.
0: All right. Well, listen, I think we're, we're good to wrap up. I want to let everybody know that next Saturday on sports cards live, our guest is none other than Chad Blesnick, Mr. C. Bles, C bless talk about breaking. He's, he's affiliated with, with, with breaks ga- gambling. He loves to gamble on sports. We're going to have C bless on the show next Saturday. Ezra. um, Listen, are you good to wrap up? And was there anything else you wanted to, to get off your chest?
1: I'm good. No, so if you want to find mascot, www.withmascot.com. Uh, follow us on all social uh, platforms at With Mascot. And again, uh, we'll, we're, we are going to have a booth in the corporate section at National. So come by, uh, you know, see the product, demo the product. Uh, please get in touch with us. Seriously, you know, my direct email is Ezra at with Mascot. We can contact support. Support at With Mascot. Uh, any any questions? Fire them away. Uh, and if you have inventory that you want to get uploaded, but don't know how to begin. Uh, you know, please send it over to us and we'd be happy to set up an account for you.
0: There you go. And it's on the ticker right now, everybody, where to where to find the website, their socials for sure. Thank you, Mark Santucci, five stars. Jay Skolnick says the intervention might come in regards to Facebook Razzes as they are essentially an illegal raffle. This in turn might lead to further eyes on the space. I didn't even think of the raz angle, which I should have because I'm familiar with them, but that could be, but again, it's going to come back to, is it going to be on the radar? Is it that? Is the magnitude big enough for them to come after uh, our little, our our little? It's maybe not so little anymore, but our specific hobby industry um, and and so forth. So uh, good to see you, Jay. Okay, appreciate the education on mascot. It was it was. I think it was great to also kind of debrief collectible now since we you know you're the ceo i was uh, i was hosting a show called collectible live which was always a lot of fun to do i miss doing that show thank you for the opportunity back then and um thank you for coming on tonight we'll see you in a couple of weeks in chicago at the national
1: thank you very much for having me I, I appreciate the time
0: all right everybody thank you so much for joining i'll be back tomorrow we've got LCG live for the pop culture action figure auction and we got PWCC hockey in the evening so a double feature tomorrow. Thanks again to Ezra. Thanks again to the chat everybody. This episode of, of sport, I almost like collectible live. This episode of sports cards live is now over.